Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Long Talk interview here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host for tonight. And we have a cracker for this evening. We have Lara Collins, who is the chief executive of Waka Armour, or the Outrigger Canoeing in New Zealand. Um, welcome. Lara, how are you doing? Good, Paul. I'm doing good, thanks. In this, uh, in this lockdown environment. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, a lot of us are getting very much more used to using these uh, Skype and Zooms and all these kind of uh, distance uh, interviews and things. So how is Wack Armour coping with this? Are you, have you, are you having lots of Zoom calls with, your, with, with, with people in, in your organisation? Um, yeah, we, we, I mean, it's obviously it's a new reality for lots of people and it happened all very fast. Um, we had to cancel uh, several big events, right, and, you know, sort of at the lockdown stage. So um, we had to cancel our secondary school nationals, which, which is the same size, if not bigger this year than Māori Cup. Um, so that was a, that, you know, that was sort of a, a big blow for lots and lots of schools. We would have had um, 100 and, what were we, 131 schools entered. So um, that was a real shame that we had to cancel that and we had to cancel our long distance national championship, which is scheduled for uh, Anzac weekend in Picton. Um, yeah, but getting used to the whole technology thing and the Zoom meetings and we had our first coaching course via Zoom today, so that was that was good. Yeah. Cool. And what is is that really canoeing considered a summer sport or a winter sport? So in is are we are we just jumping into your season or or, or is it at the end of your season? Um well we we paddle all year round. Um in the summer we, we tend to do I guess we try and cram as, as much as we can into the into the warmer months. We have our national sprint championships in January uh, at Lake Karapiro, um, and that's probably our biggest event. Um, but then we, and that's uh, sprints over sort of 500 metres shorter distances. And then within a month, uh, in February, we're we're doing a long distance international event at Tukapuna Beach, which is 42 kilometres around Rangitoto and Raikino, and it's a marathon race. So. 
Um, and then normally during the winter months, we we tend to have quite a lot of club events around the country, sort of um, longer distance events. People don't like to get too cold and too wet, so we, um, you kind of make the, the races longer. So it's, it seems like you're in the water longer, but actually it's um, it's, it's better for, for the winter months. And then we just kind of gear up back into the summer again. So it just kind of keeps going and never stops. Yeah, with with the longer events, you're not sat around on on uh, start lines. Mm. You, you, you're moving the whole time, so yes, you do feel feel warmer. So you don't have a kind of because obviously you mentioned two things there. One that you're um, that the sprint races were on the were on the lake, and then the long distance races were on the sea. So you don't have like a, a kind of a lake season and a season and a, and a, and a, a sea season. They do overlap. Well. Um, no, well, because we uh, so throughout New Zealand we have. I think we're up to 92 clubs throughout New Zealand from Kaitaida and Vicago. And obviously where where the clubs are is whatever water space they have. So some clubs, are, for example, are near the ocean, some clubs are near lakes, some clubs are near both. If you live in Rotorua, you get a paddle on a lake yep. pretty much all the time. Um, and so the races uh, that generally happen just happen where where the clubs are and right. uh, the the sprint national championships happens at lake karapiro because that's the only venue in the country that can cater for the 3850 paddlers we had um complete this year that's uh, yes that's a lot of hotel rooms and things to organize as well it's not just the people actually on the water on the actual day there's a lot more that goes into organizing these events uh yeah. and as, as as well so how did you get into paddling what, what was your first first paddling experience um, my first paddling experience was actually, um, a friend of mine said back in the late nineties, oh, you should come for a paddle. And I said, what does that mean? And, uh, he showed me a paddle and said, oh, just turn up at the, um, local swimming pool down the road from where I live. And, um, so there was a, an outrigger canoe in the swimming pool. It was sort of probably about April, May, um, and the local club had put a um, yeah a walker in in the dive pool at the Panua Swimmerama in Auckland, mm-hmm. and um and so they we we paddled in the swimming pool for the first three months of my paddling experience before we ever went out on the on the on the river or the, or the ocean. Um, so yeah, it was it was really but I I got hooked pretty much straight away and. Um, yeah, and I never really, never really looked back. So that was sort of 1997, and I've been paddling ever since. I've I've been to those um, the Pamuel swim bar. So even though you're talking about being in a swimming pool, that that, that dive pool's outdoors. So you're still doing it through the rain and through the cold yeah. months. And um, we managed to and we managed to flip the canoe. Um, <laughs> dive pool. So I'm not sure how we did that, but um, we got we got pretty skilled at um, at writing it over before before we actually went on the on the river. So uh, so. so you, Surely you were tied up, though. Yes. On, oh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, tied, it was tied to a tree at one end, and so it didn't, we didn't go anywhere, which is actually really, really difficult um, because this, it's just... Um, well, you're rowing in dead water. Yes, exactly, or paddling in dead water. Yeah. Um, and I've... Wow, that's, that is dedication. I, I've, as, I, as I said pre, pre-show, I've done some dragon boating, uh, and the hardcore people would go and sit on the side of a swing pool and paddle in to, to, um, to train... There's the less hardcore like myself would only ever do it actually in a boat where you're actually going somewhere it's much yeah mentally it's much easier 
because you're actually achieving something, going somewhere, trying to do it actually in a pool stationary is, well, I'm impressed. Yeah, um, yeah. but that's what everybody's having to do at the moment, kind of figure out how to, because we can't paddle um, how we would like to, obviously. So um, I've seen lots of videos of people uh, making all sorts of methods of trying to simulate paddling, um, mostly with rubber bands and um, cutting up their rowing eggs and things like that. But um, it's been really interesting to see the ingenuity that people have. Yeah, so I've seen a rowing or a paddling, so just like you have a rowing machine, you can get paddling machines, but um, yeah, they they look very strange, I must admit. The is 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 there a website or a or a Twitter or an Instagram account where people can see all these examples of people with their different things? Are you are you, are you gathering them somewhere on social media? Uh, yeah, so, so we have quite a big sort of presence on social media. We have um, our Facebook page, which is Waka Arma. Um, I think it's just Waka Arma New Zealand Facebook page, um, and we're trying to share all of the all of the videos and things that people are sending us in, and um, people are putting up themselves and. Um, Instagram as well, Waka Arma New Zealand Instagram, and uh, most of the information for clubs goes on our website, which is just Waka Arma New Zealand, wakaarma.co.nz. Right. Um, for the, obviously we're recording this one, so down below in the notes you'll find links to all of those, um, and do head over to that Facebook page and Instagram to see all the, the crazy inventions people are coming up with. I'm sure they're going to be really fun to watch. Um, so when we talk about outrigger canoeing, uh, as I say, I've done dragon boating before, and the dragon boats are well, the modern dragon boat is designed for a 20-foot or, or for a, a, um, or for shipping containers. But when you go traveling around the world, you, you travel on different types. You see all sorts of different types of boats being used. Is there a standard outrigger canoe, or do you have different ones in different countries as to from the, from the, from the boat point of view? Uh, yeah, so um, di- different waka, uh, different countries in the world. Uh, mostly, um, I guess... People sort of think of um, two two different types of, of, of canoes, um, so uh, Hawaiian style canoes and Tahitian style canoes, and those are the two really, I guess, arguably the places of origin of the sport of um, outrigger canoeing or wakaama as we call it here in New Zealand, and um, both of those places have different um, different, I guess, waterways. So Hawaii is mostly the ocean, big wave, rolling waves, and in Tahiti there's um, less rolling waves, more lagoon um, type paddling, and um, so the canoes have evolved slightly differently. Um, the Hawaiian canoes have bigger rockers, and the Tahitian canoes are less and straighter. Uh, and then here in New Zealand, uh, when the sport started in the late 80s, um, a group of a group of New Zealanders actually designed um, our own canoe here, which um, I guess is more of a sort of Tahitian style than a Hawaiian style, because most of the waterways we have to paddle in are coastal um, um, harbours and lakes and rivers, rather than rolling seas of ocean. So we tend to have more of a Tahitian style to our canoes here in New Zealand. Okay, so for those, uh, I, I live in Hamilton, so the ones I see going up and down the uh, Waikato River are a Tahitian style uh, that you see on the, on the tops of people's, people's cars as well. I also notice that if you've got one person ones and you've got multiple person people ones, how many different sizes do you guys um, race on? Yeah, so there's a, a one man uh, canoe, uh, which we call a W1, Waka 1. Um, around the world, that's also known as a V1. Um, the sport is known as a Va'a in. Um, 
in, internationally. Uh, so that's a one-person canoe. Then there are two-man canoes, so there's two people. Uh, you can also get a three-man, a four-man, and a six-man. Um, so the six-person canoe is the team canoe that we do most of our racing in um, as teams. You can also, um, uh, so the six people sit in the waka. The outrigger, also known as the armor, is, is what is on the left of the canoe and keeps the, the waka balanced. If you take the armor off, um, you can put two six-man waka hulls and lash them together so you have a 12-person double hull racing canoe. So there's one, two, three, four, six, and twelve. Makes for really long prize giving. <laughs> and you actually race the twelve, the twelve people ones as person ones as well. Yep, we race the twelve, and it's um, it's it's really fast, really powerful. Um, twelve people paddling all in time together is um, is quite a sight to see. And when we have our sprint uh, sprint championships at Lake Karapiro, we have twelve lanes of twelve person canoes racing it's, it's really impressive wow those and they have to be wide lanes because they're wide boats that's what that's that i understand now why you have to host it in the same place and it's big enough to host that yeah from a, from a water point of view as well the and i think what, one of the exciting things about it is when you're on the marathon one the marathon races is that teams aren't you might have a six person boat but teams aren't six people are they you have uh, you have, yeah. Yes, so so at the Takapuna Beach Cup, uh, which is what we call a changeover race, uh, there's nine or ten people in the team, uh, six people on a canoe, um, and the other the other members of the team are in a support boat. And uh, about every 20 minutes or less, 12, depending on the tactics, whatever you're wanting to do, um, maybe two or three people will jump out of the canoe while it's while you're paddling they'll jump out there'll be some people already in the water that you're paddling up to they'll they'll jump in as the people jump out and you try to do it so that the canoe doesn't stop um and you do that as a as a relay really um with your support crew in the escort boat for the 42 k's of the Tuckapuna beach cup so yes there you go folks people yeah people actually jumping out of the boat and, uh, and and climbing in on the move, whilst people are still paddling as well, it all sounds a bit crazy and fun um, to, to to watch. And that's yeah, having to say, having done dragon boats where we, where we just stay in the boats, we're not um, yeah, we don't jump out. It's a bit crazy that, but uh, the that, that, that's great. How and have you had any other sort of? I just thought about this kind of thing, but you mentioned sort of going around islands and stuff. Have you ever had someone do a sort of circumvent New Zealand? In a in a, in a whacker or, or over over several months or or not uh, no no one's taken on one of those sort of challenges. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not not circumnavigating uh, New Zealand. Um, there's been I think there's been talk of doing it. There's been a, a few crews that have crossed the Cook Strait. Um, that was sort of back in the in the early 2000s. There was a an attempt at a race, um, but it's really difficult to organise because it's. Um, Obviously, you have to do it during a window of weather that uh, you need to, to plan for. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of crews that have done that. Um, there's probably been some people that have paddled really long distances um, down the coast from, you know, somewhere in the North Island, but um, not that I'm aware of that have sort of circumnavigated it. Um, we love paddling, but we're not we're not crazy. <laughs> 
Well, because uh, the, the the crews out when we were uh, when I was in Singapore, um, I know they they would uh, sometimes paddle across to Indonesia and back again, which I guess is a bit like the the Cook Straits, that it's much calmer um, mm-hmm. in, in 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 that kind of place, and also a lot warmer as well. Um, the sea temperatures there are um, uh, so, but uh, but yes, and so I've got Stephen Harris <laughs> keep trying to call in. Um, on us. Uh, for those of you that, uh, for those of you on the channel who know Stephen Harris, Stephen Harris is, is the person who does a lot of the calling or the MC work for the Wacker Armour um, events. Um, and the, it's it's obviously you've got all the racing going on and the another. But what are, uh, do you? What other sort of parts of those weekends are there from a festival point of view? Is is is, is there a lot of uh, do, um, sort of food and. Uh, Parties or, or, or post race or post event parties or, or kind of had what um, other things go on around the, the culturally around around the racing. Um, yeah, I, I think um, all of our events are um, quite unique in that there's a lot there's a lot that goes on on the land as well as the paddling, and I think um, as Wakama paddlers here in um, New Zealand, but also around the world. Um, we we talk about um, the sport being a way of life, and um, and that's very much so. We um, there's certainly a, well we call it our Wakaama Fano, um, so our Wakaama family. And we, every time we come together for events, it doesn't matter if there's only ten teams or if there's you know a hundred teams. Um, it's like a big reunion where people are catching up with each other and. Um, yeah, culturally, uh, it's a great. Um, obviously, the sport here is intertwined with um, tikanga Māori and um, Māori values, uh, which are really intrinsic to the history of Wakama in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and and that really comes through in in the events that we have, um, especially in our um, sprint nationals in January. You know, we've got um, different generations of people paddling, so. This year, youngest paddler was five, turning five this year, so actually four, and oldest paddler was 83. And so we've got the full sort of spectrum of generations paddling, and when you get um, sort of 10,000 people um, on the land, as spectators and paddlers waiting for their races, um, it creates a really unique atmosphere that I've never seen at another sporting event. So we're really lucky in that regard. And one of the things I learned about paddling was that the you talk about being a way of life is that if you take two weeks out of the boat, because it, you, use, you use muscles that you don't use in everyday life at all, you'll feel it if you have a, a break as long as even, two, even as short as two weeks out of the boat. So that, that's why I guess it's a, it's a way of life for people getting out there all year round, whatever the weather, um, really. Yeah. The, um, it's, and for those, it's also very much a, a, a core sport. So if you want to strengthen your back, it's a fantastic um, exercise um, for for that kind of things. The so are you running some? Uh, obviously, with diff- it's difficult people's paddle at the moment. Are you running some sort of um, PE exercises or stretching exercises through that? I've seen a lot of other sports have that have been been doing that, or and also the TV channels. Um, we we haven't uh, really initiated anything on on our own because there's sort of been enough people sort of sharing sharing their own uh, we, we've just kind of been sharing what uh, what people have been doing so um and, and it's not just 
paddlers from um, in New Zealand, but also around the world. So there's some coaches and there's some top paddlers who've been sharing their their knowledge and their um, routines, if you like, uh, while they're bored and not able to get out on the water or do their own training. So so we're really lucky that um, we've got quite a few of those people, and um, yeah, we've just been sort of sharing that information around with as wide a community as as we can. Yeah. Now you're not only chief executive of the Waka Arma, but also the uh, president, I think, of the um, the international uh, federation as well. So when you do the international races, if you've got two different types of boats, how do you decide what boats are, are kind of the, the international standard as to for, 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 for World Cups or, or, or those kind of events? Uh, so wherever the World Championship event is, uh, that country provides a fleet of canoes for the race. Uh, so this year we were supposed to have our world championship in Hawaii in August, but it's unfortunately been cancelled. Um, and there would have been probably 35 countries and probably about 2,500 paddlers um, that we were expecting in Hawaii in August. Um, and uh, they the Hawaiian Canoe Racing Association uh, would have provided the 24 canoes required and we just we share the canoes. So compared to our, uh, like a canoe, um, International Canoe Federation event, um, kayaking with Lisa Carrington, the New Zealand kayak team would take their kayaks to Europe or they have a pool of kayaks that stay in Europe. Um, our events, because the canoes are so big, uh, it's impossible to do that, and so the host country provides a fleet of canoe, canoes, and we just use them. Um, we just share everybody uses the same canoes. So does that mean in different uh, in different years you'll have a different style of canoe yep. that people will yep. use? So two years ago, the world championship was in Tahiti. Um, they were Tahitian canoes. Um, if we have a world championship here in New Zealand, they will be canoes that are made in New Zealand. Uh, it's not really cost effective to bring canoes from Hawaii all the way here. And then you can't really use them because they're not really built for our water. So, um, yeah, there's no sort of set standard uh, canoe that has to be used. Uh, we just try to, to make sure that uh, we use the resources that are best suited to that country that we're actually racing in. Uh, but for, as, far, as far as paddles go, that's, that's, a, that's a standard size or a, a standard shape and size of the world over? Uh, not, uh, not, well... Oh, <laughs> controversial yeah. now. <laughs> the only, um, the only actual rules about the paddle is that they can only have one blade. Um, other than that, the paddle can be, uh, can ha the shaft can be straight. The shaft can have a bend or a double bend. Um, the the blade can be um, twenty five centimeters wide, or it can be thirty centimeters wide, or it can be, you know, there's there's a whole lot of um, room for innovation in terms of paddles and I guess the jury's out as to you know does a smaller blade um, and a faster stroke make the canoe faster or is it a bigger blade and a slower stroke and all of those things go into um, into the, the technique of, of each crew and each individual paddler. Oh wow I, was, I, I thought there was a okay I'd, I'd assume there'd be a sort of a bit like in rowing where yeah, it's, it's very clear as to what size the paddle has to be. No, that. so that's... Also, yeah, so it makes it, you know, uh, if you're doing a 500 metre race and you've got um, paddles that are really, really wide, 
um, in theory, it, you know, you'd think that you'd be able to go faster, but you have to be able to sustain pulling that much water, um, you know. So actually, the, um, the the top sort of teams that are racing around the world are using um, quite small paddles and higher stroke rates. Um, yes, yeah, it's really interesting. Probably a good study for somebody to do at some stage. So there you go, uh, budding PhD students, um, off you, <laughs> off you go. The oh well, okay, so that, that's uh, that, that's kind of blowing my mind because yeah, in, in in dragon boating again, it's, it's they are a set size, um, and there's only within set or within set set guidelines anyway. Um, the the have you seen people or, or, or do people actually if if they're going to be if the races are in Hawaii, have they bought themselves a um, a, a Hawaiian canoe here in New Zealand to train for it, or, if it, or do you, do people not have uh, not gone that far yet? Um, yeah, there was a. That's the one problem we, I guess, we have is that um, the canoes are quite different, and so um, when we do have races in Hawaii, we the, the, there are probably a handful of canoes that probably react the same way as a, as a Hawaiian canoe, and so everybody tries to 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 get to use one of those canoes. Um, it's not really, uh, those canoes cost probably about $30,000 to bring one of those canoes here. Um, so it's not really cost effective to just bring it here for training and not use it, not be able to really use it in racing. Um, but it probably wouldn't be competitive here. Um, in Hawaii they have, um, interestingly, they, they have their own rules uh, are in, um, that are internal for, for Hawaii only, um, and so there's a race called the Molokai Hoi, which is uh, and uh, that's the men's version, and the Nawahine or Kikai is the women's version, and that is a race from uh, the island of Molokai to Oahu when you finish at Waikiki Beach, and so that's uh, about a 70, 65, 70 kilometre race across from one island to the other, across um, the, the the channel. And in Hawaii, the canoes, the rule is that the canoes have to weigh 400 pounds. So um, that's a, a class, you know, a Hawaiian racing canoe has to weigh 400 pounds and have a certain water line and, and all those things. So 400 pounds, I'm not good at maths, but it's sort of like 190 kilos or something like that. Uh, 200 kilos ish, which is really heavy um, mm -hmm. compared to the canoes that you would we would race here normally, are probably about 120 kilos. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it, it makes it sort of challenging when you go to Hawaii, but that's just the standard, and everybody has to kind of live with it. Oh, well, so perhaps the next thing is that you get yourself a couple of bags of rice or something to put in your boat um, yeah, well, for, 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 for training. Extra person. Extra person has to sit there and watch <laughs> while you're training up and down. Uh, perhaps, I, perhaps I should do that. I should volunteer my my, uh, my services to just to sit in a boat on the um, on the Wai the Waikato River, going up and down the river. Um, the so it's, it's interesting. That's that's how the things. Um, you mentioned I think was it was it thirty six different countries or um, they're going into it. So uh, do you have your world championships in Europe and America and Americas as well, or is it just the Pacifica uh, kind of locations? So the World Sprint Championships happens every two years, uh, and two years ago it was in Tahiti, this year it was supposed to be in Hawaii, 2022 it's scheduled to be in London, um, so the first time it's going to be 
uh, in Europe. Um, it's been in we 2012 we were to Calgary, and 2014 was in Rio. Um, so. It's been out of the Pacific, um, both of the only times it's been out of the Pacific, actually. Um, but, yeah, going to London uh, will be pretty exciting for the sport and hopefully um, attract more European competitors, um, more European countries to... There are There is uh, a few European countries that, that take part, but very small numbers, and so it's a good way to, to kind of bring the sport to their back garden if you like. Yep, absolutely. Um, and one of the things Stephen told me before this was that this is that Waka Arm is one of the uh, biggest, or what, sorry, one of the fastest growing sports um, in New Zealand. So how, how have you seen that growth over the last couple of years? Um, yeah, it's grown a lot. So basically every year for the last four or five years, we we get an extra three or four hundred paddlers every year um, become members of the sport. Uh, since 2012, uh, so in the last eight years, the sport's grown by 120%, um, and it's just continuing to grow. And part of that growth um, has been from the sec our secondary school event as well. Um, Two-thirds of our membership are youth. So, um, yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of the people that, that competed at our Sprint Nationals in January were under 19 down to five. So they've all got a lot of paddling in front of them, so it's not like an ageing population that's going to die off, it's one that's just going to grow and grow as they keep yeah. on going. And having that youth um, base is really... Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's got a lot of potential for us. Um, our challenge is how to hang on to them um, in that sort of drop-off phase when they're you know, becoming young adults. Um, but yeah, it's it's really promising as a sport to have that many youth taking part. Well, it's been great. Thank you very much. Um, I guess the best way for people to want to get involved is is through the websites where they'll be able to find a, a link to one of your one of their clubs. Is that the best place? Yeah. Yes, on our website, um, if you there's a whole list of clubs uh, throughout throughout New Zealand, um, and probably difficult at the moment to to go down and check out a club in action but uh in a few months hopefully um everything going well for everybody um there'll be everybody will be back on the water and um people can go and sign up and give it a go yep so give that a look at that one. thank you very much lara for your time it has been an absolute pleasure um talking and learning about the waka Amit here in new zealand and uh, everyone please uh, give the facebook page um, a like and the if you're listening to the podcast, then obviously don't forget to subscribe as well. Thanks very much, Paul. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.